Hello, and welcome to the Cannabis Corner with Joshua Braff. I am your host and farmer Adam Teitelbaum. And also with us is Dr. Rachna Patel to discuss the world of cannabis and what is happening in our country so quickly and how interesting it is that so much industry is investing in this product that had been in the doghouse for so long and associated with uh, certainly not medicine that helps with important ailments and common ailments. So here we are, and today's opening topic is all about edibles versus smoking versus vaping. This is quite an important topic in that people are saying, hey, I understand weed. I'm just going to go at it. I'm going to make myself feel better. When it's actually important to ask some questions, understand who you are specifically, and certainly keep in mind whatever medications you may be on. But we are going to talk very, very simply about the differences between eating and smoking. I'll begin with Dr. Patel, who is a person who sees patients every day, and they keep coming in, and they have questions after questions. And if they come in and say, I'm having trouble sleeping, I'm I'm having trouble uh, thinking, I'm depressed, how do you begin to assess what's best for this specific person as far as smoking, eating, vaping? Well... It depends on the condition, right? We, we start with the condition first. Then I typically move on to if they've used marijuana, you know, how have they used it, what experience they've had with it. But it's really going to depend on the specific condition, right? And with that, once I have that information, I then break it down to, okay, well, these are the combination of chemicals that work best for this condition. This is how you figure out dosing. This is how you figure out how frequently to take it. These are the potential side effects and what to do in case you do get side effects. So that's the general approach that I take. I see. Adam, your thoughts on when, as a caregiver, when people would ask, what's best for me? How did you approach it? Well, I found out what they're what their problem was and then um you know so let's say that it was pain okay just pain right so let's say it was pain which is really common um and uh so i would start with things that i know that have worked for me with pain and other patients of mine with pain and very often those would tend to be uh indica dominant or indica strains might make you a little sleepy, so it also usually have a hybrid option, which is part sativa, part indica. And it's trial and error. And it could be, you know, that it's smoking, vaping, could be a tincture, it could be an edible. Important to say, let's let's differentiate between sativa, indicas, and hybrids. Dr. Patel, can you speak to that? So I'm actually not a fan of these terms, mainly because they're very vague ways of describing the plant. And we are now advanced enough, at least in the states where marijuana has been legalized for recreational use, where there's laboratory testing going on for for these plants or the products that are made from marijuana plants. We can get it down to the exact milligram, the exact percentage of the different chemicals in the products. So this way, you know exactly what you're putting in your body. So that's very, very important. So to say sativa is a broad stroke yeah. of, of, of so many different yeah. strains yeah. Um, that you need to bring it yeah. more specifically. I see and, what you're saying. And the common scenario I encounter is that I have, you know, um, patients coming in um, where they may have gotten a card from another doctor. They'll walk into a dispensary and they'll tell me, well, you know, Dr. Patel, I went to this this bud tender um, or this, you know, this guy behind the counter. And he said, well, this one will cause a body high and this one will cause a head high. And they're like, honestly, Dr. Patel, I'm not looking to get high. Right. Then those are commonly how those terms are, are described. So if, if that person had said to the to the person behind the counter, I'm not looking to get high. 
the person might very well then say, "Tell me what you're looking for," and and it, yeah, it could yeah. be a non psychoactive. Yeah, comes down to the combination of chemicals. Right. Yeah. Interesting. No, I think it's fascinating because this is how cannabis had been, you know. Pretty much classified, and now that it's coming so much more into the mainstream, into science, and so many more people are looking at this uh, plant and what it what it can do, that we're coming up with better definitions and better ways of defining what can help people. And I know I see that happening in in my own dispensary where where I grow. So yeah, there's an allowance in language for the amazing amount of variables. Um, you can see that we are sometimes people who will. Listen to the media or or to the station to the news stations that are that are we we connect with, and there's an allowance for a belief in what we hear. And this last year has been a very interesting time for that because the president elect is someone that a lot of people weren't excited about, and it was going to be his word against anybody out there who might have had something to talk about as far as variables or specifics. So I make that parallel because marijuana as a medicine has become so ubiquitous and so respected. But it is very important that a discussion is had. It's not necessarily I'm just going to grab some and, and and roll with it. Especially if you are aiming to aid yourself uh, in in trying to get away from pills or side effects or spending too much money. These are all very real variables in our culture. One question about eating versus smoking to me is: It seems that the edibles are all sweets, and I happen to be a person who doesn't have the sweet tooth. Is there anything coming down the road in a quiche, or maybe there, uh, are, we have, <laughs> there are chefs in Denver oh, who really? specialize in this, and they is also this a have, new thing? Uh, no, 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 and uh, they offer cooking classes. Oh wow! So you know, you can go and you can have this great cannabis infused meal. Made by a chef and learn how to make some recipes on your own. You know, you can go into you can go into our dispensary and buy butter, buy medicated butter. Oh. So then you can take it home. You could put it on toast, put it in your own recipe. You could it it works. Cannabis works great binding to uh, coconut oil. So you can do things with coconut oil. You could make it into even a little capsule. Put it put the stuff in a, in capsules yourselves, or have just an infused oil that you use in place of oil in any recipe. That's interesting. You've you've brought up uh, capsules um, in our discussion about smoking and or uh, vaping or eating. And uh, wow, there is the example of how you would help a headache. I'm going to take a, a capsule. That's something I'm not familiar with. Dr. Patel, do you prescribe capsules? You know, um, capsules are tricky. Um, it's a what I found with with medical marijuana is that dosing varies highly from patient to patient. So what a capsule is, is that it's essentially a standard dose. And that dose may be too much for one person and it may be too little for another person. I see. Is what I found clinically. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, it's hard, they're hard to cut up because they're usually liquid on the inside. They're just yeah, if you Yeah, right. If you do make them like that. Now, there are also some manufacturers that mm -hmm. are making pills that you can actually cut and they're making them in five milligram sure. increments. And you could even cut that in you know, into smaller pieces. If so you it's want. a solid as opposed yeah, to a liquid. Yeah, and it's a solid, okay. right. Um, and th that's sold for indica and, and sativa. And sativa. Right, and so then if, you, and if again, I know Dr. Patel doesn't love love the, those. The, the broad strokes. Yeah, so, which of, is great. It's I, I love hearing these things and forcing me to think in a, 
and maybe a way that's more clear and really representative of what the plant can or cannot do. Right. But yes, that's the, this is where we are in 2017. Right. I've heard uh, quite a bit about uh, taking the plant itself and creating a juice. That would probably make some people say, you've got to be kidding. I've done this. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, raw juice. You can blend the entire plant, whole cannabis, and you can mix it with other juices and things because it's not the most wonderful tasting thing in the world. And there you're getting THCA, C- CB, CBNA. It's, it's the acidic version. Um, and it's different and it seems to do wonders for people who are really sick with cancers. And so it's recommended for people who are especially ill. Yeah, I've seen incredible results. Incredible results. Uh, tell me, how long did the person showed signs of recovery? Yes. Now, I, I got to say, it wasn't that they were just juicing cannabis. They were, you know, doing other things and okay. procedures and other medications through their doctors, but they incorporated um, juicing whole cannabis and had incredible results and felt so much better and tumor growth going down in uh, one specific cancer patient that I knew. I also had really good results with an MS patient from both. I saw it with her from both juicing and smoking, an immediate reduction of tremors right after she'd medicate. Do you take the whole plant and stick it in a Cuisinart? Pre- uh, pretty much. And I mean, not a Cuisinart, but a juicer. Um, the whole plant, you stick whole it plant. in there. And whole plant. You're not putting any liquid in with uh, No, you can go ahead and add in juices and other oh, things see. for some flavor. I see. And then there it is. Wow. Um, but Dr. Patel, would you be worried that someone... About to drink a half of a Slurpee of uh, of a full Durban poison plant. It's non psychoactive. It's not decarboxylated. So, you know, so. from oh, because it's not. Yes, that's important a, yes, to address. Yes, sorry. Um, it's you're not going to get high from from drinking that that plant. It is going to have other medicinal properties, but it's completely non psychoactive because it hasn't been lit. It hasn't right. Or, it has not it been decarboxylated. I'm not going to try that word, but I hear you. Decomboxylated. Carboxylated. Yes. Activated. The THC has not been activated. And this speaks to the questions of, am I getting high with secondary smoke? Does it? Because a person can't... Are, can you get high by sitting next to someone smoking? I don't know necessarily sitting next to somebody, but in an enclosed room yeah. with a lot of smoke, there is no question that you will get high, a secondary high. Okay. I'd agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Now the juicing, I don't know. I can't speak from it from a very either clinical or research perspective. So not not too certain about um, about that. But certainly you could put the liquid in a thimble to begin. Uh, in other words, it, it doesn't have to be too. Oh, I mean, oh it's be, not be that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I may have misconstrued that. It's well, not it's that not one individual. Hold on. It is not that one individual is imbibing an entire plant. It's that you're juicing that plant and you're having a small glass. Yes. Yes. And just like you're eating the small pieces of chocolate mm-hmm. as, yes. you, as you aim to sleep better, there is some research and personal research involved, and I think that's a we have, we have much to learn. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, on the question of vaping, is it safer for my lungs to vape than to smoke, Dr. Patel? Depends on what you're vaping. Okay. So overall, okay, let's talk about just bud or flowers on the plant. Overall, yeah, it is better when it comes to just the bud, it is better to vape than smoke. But concentrates get me worried because a lot of times they're extracted in chemicals like butane, hexane, propane. That, if you inhale that, that can be damaging to your lungs. We're going to be speaking today to a grower who is only using organic methods. Is that true, Adam? Yes. 
butane uh, as far as making um, concentrate. But I think that that is evolving and uh, nobody's interested in inhaling butane. Well, but that's common practice for extractions, butane, propane. um, You could – CO2 right now in our industry is looked at as safer. CO2 is safer, yeah. You can uh, have it, you know, a water hash, ice hash, which is – there's nothing like that put in. All that touches your – Cannabis material is ice and water, so that's a very safe extraction. And making an effective product? It's it's hash. It's what's known as hash. As long as um, the moisture is taken out so that it's not growing bacteria and mold and all that. And you know, at a dispensary level, all these things are tested. So first the initial product is tested, the, the dried cannabis, before it's made into a concentrate, and then after it's made into a concentrate, at least in Colorado, Mm -hmm. um, then that's tested as well. So the, the the important thing there is that the testing um, and the scientific look at the properties of the bud is not like the way we handled it in the eighties when it was t- you know you when you get when you get your hands on some and what an, what a what a big change for the industry and we didn't even see it coming. You can also vape a dry flower. Is that true? Or is no one doing that anymore? Is have we moved? No, you you can still um, uh, vape dry flowers. Okay, and it's, that, it's pretty it, commonly used. Okay, and yeah. you would recommend it? Uh, Over smoking? Yeah. Yes. Over smoking. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I'd say um, all of pretty much all of my older patients tend to vape flower. Huh. And is that because that's what they learned first? Uh, that's what the doctor recommended. Yeah. They said, you know, Even we'd re- we'd prefer you do this over smoking. Oh, I see, but not giving them the option of the vape pen or the yeah. no, yeah, like va- you know, but there are portable um, flower vape pens as well as there's you know larger things that you have at home. Right, the amount of different products to help you out here has grown exponentially. So it it would be interesting for anyone who was interested in researching this to go into a store that just sells this kind of products and and ask questions. Everyone is always friendly in our industry. For some reason, maybe they're just so happy that they're not a bartender anymore, but a bud tender, and life seems to be smoother. Well, at this point, we are going to move on to a caller, and we have Anne from Fort Lee, New Jersey. Uh, tell us your question, Anne. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say it's so great to have some kind of a venue to be able to talk about these things, because it's not a common thing that you can really go out and ask somebody. But I... Um, I do have a question. I'm going through a difficult time in my life right now, and I haven't been able to sleep very well. Mm -hmm. I've tried a lot of different things, and um, most of them homeopathic, some um, drugs, a little bit of alcohol. I've tried everything, and nothing seems to be working, and Mm -hmm. I wake up feeling terrible in the morning. And I have been hearing a lot about the benefits of marijuana, but I have a lot of doubts. I kind of grew up in a time when marijuana was a drug and drugs were bad. And I'm finding that um, uh, I'm, I'm curious, but I'm also very anxious about it. But I thought you might have, you know, some thoughts for me. Exactly. Well, thank you for calling in. And um, let's address this. Uh, Dr. Patel has to be one of the major bullet points of problems for Americans. Getting a decent night's sleep, how many hours? We are different, specifically, so some need three, some need six. Maybe the person who says they need three needs eight, um, but everybody wants to wake up fresh. Marijuana is definitely um, uh, in in consideration around the country for, for helping to remedy this 
Um, what are your thoughts, Dr. Patel? So it's actually one of the most common conditions that I treat at my practice, uh, one of the three most common conditions that I treat at my practice. And a lot of times patients will come to me saying that, you know, I've I've tried drinking wine to help me sleep. I've tried taking Ambien to help me sleep. I've tried over-the-counters like Unisom to help me sleep. But, um, they, you know, either it, it, it's not helping them or they're getting side effects from it, like they're waking up feeling groggy from, from, from taking these substances. Um, and I have actually found that marijuana works great. So patients are able to fall asleep easily. They're able to stay asleep. Now, if they happen to wake up in the middle of the night, they're, they're able to fall back asleep again easily. And they wake up feeling refreshed, like they got a good solid night of restful sleep. That's important. Um, and um, uh, the other thing is, is that um, side effects can very easily be avoided by taking um, uh, the right amount at the right frequency. And when it comes to sleep specifically, I found that patients don't need to take it on an everyday basis to be able to fall asleep. For a lot of patients, um, difficulty sleeping is induced from some sort of external stressor, right? So um, if they're going through that period of stress, they'll they'll use the marijuana on an as-needed basis. And then once they get into that normal sleep cycle, they don't need to use it uh, again until the next time there's, you know, another stressor in their life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Um how for, for for Anne, for example, who you know, what would be one example of a first move to get herself the right thing for this? Is it is it a small chocolate ball that she takes in, or do you see more people having more effects by eating or or smoking? Sure. So overall, I found that the most effective form for sleep is to use edibles. Okay, and there's a reason for this. It's because the high concentrations of these chemicals stick around in your in your in your bloodstream for about six to eight hours. Okay, it's much so if you're inhaling it, it sticks around in your system for about four hours or so. So a lot of times I'll have patients tell me, "Well, I've been inhaling it and I fall asleep easily, but I don't necessarily stay asleep." Okay, and that's the reason why. Um, it has to do with how the the chemical is processed in your in your system um, and how long it takes to to for the concentrations to fall um, and whatnot. So that that that's that's usually um, the first approach that I take. And then yeah. what's interesting about that um, is that edibles would be the one place where people find themselves in a little bit of trouble at times. Yeah. Um, not so much from smoking, if, uh, but, but from, wow, I think I took too much, which yeah. is all, stories like that have been mm-hmm. popping up. And so that, that, that first intake is a very important. Very important. And the other thing is, is that realize that what you're taking. So here's the thing. You see a cookie, and normally you'd eat a cookie, right? The whole cookie. But this is a medicated cookie, right? So you want to take, like, crumbs compared to what you'd normally take because it's medicated. So basic basic rule of thumb is is start with very itty-bitty amounts. Does that sound good, Anne? It does. It does. Um, thank you very much. You're very, very welcome. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back on The Cannabis Corner. The all-in-one smoking kit on the go, Alpha Cat, the recognized standard. Alpha Puff Kit has everything for a perfect smoking experience. Turbo torch lighter, papers, filters, a grinder, and storage for all your needs, all in a medical-grade plastic water pipe. Get yours at www.alphapuff.com. 
All right, we're back on the Cannabis Corner, and we have a guest today. His name is Aaron Fields, and he is an innovator in growing cannabis out of Fort Collins, Colorado. No, he's actually out of Louisville. He's out of Louisville, Colorado, and he is got some things to tell us that are... You know, a, a great part of the evolution of what's happening here where less chemicals are being used uh, in, in the farming of cannabis, and Aaron is certainly a, an innovator there. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure, so glad you came. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing that others aren't. Uh, what, what, what is this innovative um, uh, plan you have for growing? Well, the methodology is innovative, although it's not new okay. at all. Uh, a lot of these techniques have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and uh, the innovative part is the way that we're bringing them together. Uh, so what the methodologies are called would be uh, referred to commonly as probiotics okay. or um, also no-till uh, growing methodology. That's where you do not till the soil at all or disturb it. You sort of leave it all together and uh, reuse it round after round, because as you may know, cannabis is an annual plant, and uh, it flowers for about nine weeks or so on average, and then you're going to chop it down. Um, and instead of taking our soil out and re-amending it and adding things to it, we just allow it to build itself up naturally. Interesting. And uh, when we harvest a plant, we cut it down and we plant a new one right next to it for the next round. Huh. So are, is the adjective organic, or, or is there another one for what you're doing? Yeah, definitely organic. I would say it's far beyond that mm -hmm. um, because the term organic is getting a bit tainted in the industry now. It's, it's simply a certification that uh, the qualifications for are really not very strict. Um, so, you know, things can be labeled organic officially when you're talking about food, for instance, right. and uh, they can be grown in all sorts of ways that are that are completely different and, and not really natural at all, like what we're doing. I see. Uh, so I would say definitely organic, but it goes quite beyond that. I see. And the people that... Um um, that are able to smoke and, and ingest what you're making are, are well aware that it's a healthier option? Yeah, you know, most of the time they are. Um, that's another challenge is just getting the word out there and educating people on what we're doing so they really understand the process that goes into it. When they do get that, though, you know, as long as somebody's there to tell them about it, then they're, they really understand that, you know, this is a very natural thing they're putting in their body. Right. Now, it's not something that's manufactured, you know, for the purposes of yield only, for instance, is a very driving factor in farming in general. See. So, Aaron, uh, the, it's Adam here. Hey, Adam. Um, I was wondering if, are people willing to pay more for that? Do you think people seek this out? You know, what, what's your opinion? Are you seeing this done on a commercial scale? Yeah, I would say typically, yes, they are willing to pay more for it. However, this, again, is a function of the level of education and knowledge out there. If people know and understand the benefits of putting natural products in their body over using the chemicals and things like that, then they are much more likely to want to choose those options, and they will pay a little bit more for them when it matters. Okay, and so so just understanding, um, you'd use the term living soil also to accompany this method you're talking about? Yes. And, so, and you're not using any bottled nutrients? That's correct. Um, living soil is another term for it. Uh, probiotic is one that I already mentioned that refers to 
the life of the soil. The organisms that are in there are probiotics. Um, there's microorganisms. There's everything, you know, all the way up to like worms and little bugs and things like that that are easy to see all the way down to the microscopic level. So what we're doing is we're managing all of those aspects of the soil life. And that's what we call the living soil. We'll take that and then we just put a plant in it and then the plant will naturally grow itself just like it does in nature um, because that life is what creates life. So would you, would you say is this method more expensive, less expensive, uh, more time-consuming, less time-consuming? Oh, that's a great question because uh, some of the biggest benefits of this are that it is far, far less expensive and far less time-consuming than traditional methods. Um, when you're dealing with hydroponic grow methodologies, you have a lot to manage. You know, you're, you're taking control of every aspect of nutrient uptake and uh, plant metabolism, essentially, which allows you to yield quite a lot. However, it's much more involved labor-wise. So, and when you move that to a commercial scale, it can get really labor-intensive the bigger the operation. Or you have to spend a lot of money on automation and um, technology, which is another direction that the uh, cannabis industry is really going right now. But when you're talking about natural growing, um, the costs are far lower. You know, you have to make up a real healthy soil just one time. And then you never have to really use it. You know, you don't have to buy more soil every round. You don't have to buy nutrients every round. But you're amending the soil with things. Yes? Yeah, you know, a little bit, um, but the costs for that are also extremely low because what it is is also a closed loop. So another term for this could be uh, like permaculture or a, uh, a closed loop system, just like nature is. You know, when you're in a forest, the leaves fall off the trees and they cover the forest floor, creating a mulch and a layer of organic material that then breaks down and is uh, converted into bioavailable nutrients for the plants over time by the life in the soil. So, you know, mimicking that process involves a lot of reusing the same materials that I already have. For instance, none of the, uh, there is no waste from a garden that's run this way. Uh, you would just take all of your leaves, your prunings, your stems, you know, anything that normally uh, commercial facilities and growers would throw in the garbage, you can, you can recompost that stuff and use it again and again and again. And uh, there's a numerous different ways of doing that, um, which we, you know, combine a lot of methods. But um, in the end, you get pretty, pretty well-closed-loop system that uh, you really have to put minimal inputs into and expend much less than you would having to, you know, get new nutrients every single time. Well, that's, that's great. And I'm assuming that there's also, you see benefits to the people smoking it, patients, et cetera, that, it, I mean, sounds almost like eating organic, you know, vegetables versus non. And I would assume that Dr. Patel would probably be a proponent of that. Aaron, I have a question for you. Sure. My question is, um, the method that you're using, are you finding in uh, any sort of impact on potency of the different uh, chemicals in the plant? Yeah, um, it tends to go up, quite honestly. And, you know, potency is, is not really determined by input. Okay. 
You know, so whether you're growing naturally and letting the plant feed itself or whether you're giving it nutrients, it's really more uh, a matter of how much it is uptaking, you know, and the the way that it's uptaking is going to be uh, irrelevant because you can get a living soil to cycle nutrients, you know, in such a way that your plants get just as big as, as a lot of them do in hydro. You know, uh, one of the common misconceptions is that you can't yield as much this way, you know, which is which is one of the main reasons why commercial growers don't actually take it on because they think they're going to have to give up yield, which is, is certainly not the case. Um, so am I answering your question here? I just want to check in. Totally. Very interesting, Aaron. We're going we're gonna to move on, but I would love to have you back and, and discuss more. This is Aaron Fields out of Colorado who's doing what would be the equivalent of the, the small farm uh, around here in the Bay Area, the Alice Waters uh, style, where you uh, are eating vegetables off local small farms and, and organically. And it sounds like Aaron is tapping into something that's important and, and healthy in where we're headed. So thanks again, Aaron, for calling in. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. What an interesting topic today, edibles, and what an important one as the country seems to begin to research what it is about cannabis that's working so well for so many people and helping people get off meds. A cookie, in our case, is not just a cookie. And so, as Dr. Patel said, you're going to begin with crumbs. And that is a very, very important lesson to those that are beginning to research this. Start very, very slowly. Ask questions. Call us. We'll have any answer you want. We thank you very much for joining us on the Cannabis Corner. I thank my partner, farmer Adam Teitelbaum, and Dr. Rachna Patel. I am your host, Joshua Braff. We will see you next time. 